This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, obviously the result is the main thing today because uh, we really needed that win. Uh, we've been really unlucky and frustrated with uh, the results. Not that much the performances, but the results that we've been having the last uh, six to eight weeks. And uh, today was a, a big day for us. Boxing day. London Derby playing at home, it doesn't get any better than that. We talked about it and from the first whistle, I think you could see the team with that belief, that willingness, that energy to to come out there and and win the game. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. A relieved Mikel Arteta speaking after a massive win for Arsenal in the Boxing Day fixtures. It's off the ball with me, Ross. It's our final show of the year. What a year it's been, wow. eh? 2020. I don't need to say more, except introduce my guests. Hello, and welcome to the show, Craig Wilkie. Good evening, Ross. We've made it through 2020, just about. Just about, just about. Des Corkill is also here. Hello, Des. Today, Ross, I am going to be ranting like Sean Dyche. <laughs> Craig and I were actually had a feeling that you might be ranting today. Uh, speaking of Craig, the other Craig's also here. Craig Marias, hello. Hello, 2020, definitely a year to forget, not only because of the ongoing pandemic, but because the Reds lifted the title. <laughs> COVID title doesn't count, Craig, doesn't it? You can find us all on Twitter individually if you want to tweet us. Alternatively, tweet BFM Radio at BFM Radio. Um, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel up where we preview shows every weekend, preview matches every weekend on our show it's tfif on video do check us out right we heard arteta at the start arsenal three chelsea one the gunners end a seven match winless run an important win as well craig wilkie for frank lampard over uh, for frank lampard for michael arteta over frank (laughs) lampard yeah, boy, did Arsenal need that, didn't they? I mean, we, I think we've all had a, a difficult 2020, except for maybe that bright spark of the Liverpool title win, which you very kindly mentioned earlier, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Uh, but Arsenal, Arsenal fans, I'm sure, will be just glad to see the end of it. Although, hopefully now after that win, they, they might be able to look forward to 2021 with, with a bit more confidence. And it was, it was a very comfortable win in the end, which was the real surprise. I think some of that we can put down to Chelsea, as I'm sure we'll come on to talk about in a minute. And... Lampard was kind of fuming after the game about maybe some of the effort and commitment levels of, of his players. But in that situation, Arsenal still had to take advantage of facing a poor Chelsea on the day. Yeah. And, and that, was no, that wasn't guaranteed at all, given the form that they've been in, as you suggested, you know, seven-game winless run, just playing with so little confidence, seemingly playing with so little idea as well. It was becoming harder and harder to see what it was that Arteta was, was trying to do. But... I felt as though he needed to shake things up a little bit. And that's kind of what happened at the weekend. Mm. You know, there were some players left on the bench. Some of the kids came in and they just brought that little bit of energy to the game, that little bit of energy to the performance. And some of the goals were absolutely fantastic. I mean, Xhaka yeah. scoring a free kick yeah. like that. Who would have thought it? The, the Saka one, I, I, he's never going to convince me that he meant it, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be... Uh, but he said we'll be he gener- meant it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, there's a lot of things get said on Twitter. But we'll... we'll We'll be generous with a little bit of Christmas spirit and say, okay, per- perhaps he was trying to do something. But yeah, huge win for Arsenal, although it still leaves them. When you look at the league table, it still leaves them in a, 
in a none too promising position. So I think they've got to really look at this season and say, we've got to build for next year. We've got to yeah. bring some some of the kids in again, give them a run, yeah, see yeah, if yeah. they're good enough at, at that level. And and then Arteta really has to figure out what he wants to do with that squad and be interesting to see if they sign anyone in January as well. Yeah, it would be. Um, all right, we'll, we'll come to Chelsea in a minute. We'll let Des off the leash soon. But still sticking with Arsenal here, Craig, it's a massive statement, those kids coming in. Smith Rowe, I thought, put in a really good shift. Saka, we all, we, we all knew about Saka. He needs to play more. What does it say for, for, the, for the others, for the likes of Willian and, and all those? Yeah, Obama Young as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, what it shows is that you've got you know, players and kids from the academy that, that want to play for the club. You know, um, uh, it's, it's that little bit of passion that sometimes you need when the going gets tough. And, um, you know, we've seen it down the years, you know, when kids have been thrown in there. You know, it's been their dream since they were eight years old, you know, to, to wear, the, wear the jersey uh, for the senior team. And, and, you know, they can only do it again if they play well. And, and I think someone like M.O. Smith-Rowe, who's not even had a look in, like, anywhere close yeah. to... To, to be honest, I haven't really heard of him before this weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, he's played, he's played a lot of the Europa League and, yeah, and not, things like that. So. And all that, but did, didn't put face to name no. or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for those of you who don't wake up on an early Thursday morning, <laughs> you're never going <laughs> to... A Friday morning, rather. You're never going to... You're never going to know who he is. Um, but but that is the risk that Arteta had to take, and he had nothing to lose going into this. Yeah. Um, and, and and for me, sometimes it always works. I mean, we've seen that with clubs, you know, over... I mean, how Do you reckon it's going to continue like that? The scene. Do you reckon it's going to um, continue with the kids? Well, I mean, it's, it'll be a bit harsh to drop any of them now um, after exactly. a performance yeah. like that. I mean, you know, w- you know, we, we talk about this Arsenal performance. We have to factor in that Chelsea were very, very poor. Um, it has to be said. Um, but but sometimes in these these kind of situations, it, it's about who wants it more. And um, Arsenal on the day, they wanted it that little bit more. I don't think they were fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, but, you know, when chances came their way, they, they took it, which yeah. they, they've been guilty of, uh, of not taking in recent times. Frank Lampard lambasted his Chelsea side, Des Corkill, said they weren't good enough. They're letting the club down. Um Lots of question marks. I mean, the fact that Timo Werner hasn't found the net now for, what, 10, 11 games? Um, not going right at Chelsea. Well, my first question mark is the first VAR rant of the day. Penalty is never a penalty. Never in a million years. Yeah. If that's a penalty, then the Wolves penalty is a penalty. Then Sane's is a penalty. VAR is meant to bring these things in to eradicate any clear and obvious errors. That is not a clear and obvious error. Or if the referee has got it wrong, and we're seeing more and more referees being proven to get things wrong by VAR, then it should be overturned. So it's a dodgy penalty. A dodgy uh, cross that's um, uh, looped in onto the far post. So that makes suddenly Arsenal world beaters and Chelsea have a penalty saved, score a late goal, are suddenly nothing. I tell you what, the decisions of officials and the ridiculous way in which VAR either does or does not at random decide which decision they want to approve or disapprove of, that is the talking point in football, apart from Liverpool's title, thank you, Craig, the talking point (laughs) of football is VAR and it's ridiculous, stupid, incompetent, uh, inconsistent uh, application to what is a very 
very simple game is football and they are making it complicated and a laughing stock. So Chelsea lost 3-1, but the first goal, always so important, particularly in these matches, is a travesty and there have been four travesties at least this weekend. Get rid of VAR, it is crap. Six minutes into the show, rant number one from Des Corker this <laughs> evening. <laughs> Not bad going. Right, more about, more about those two teams later. Um, Leicester 2, Man United 2. What's the early kickoff, Craig Marias, uh, for the Boxing Day fixtures? It was always going to be a thriller. Two attacking sides. Um, points shared, fair, fair result, I guess, in the end. Yeah, you'd have to. Uh, well, no, um, I think with the chances that that, that United had, um, you know, over the course of 19 minutes, I thought they really should have um, they sealed the game um, pretty much. That Marcus Rashford chance early on. Um, How do, uh, on it was head. easier to yeah. score than miss. That yeah. Um, yeah, I think United would be kicking themselves here, you know, especially after, you know, tonight we're seeing all the, the results over the weekend. And you look at that table and those those two extra points that they could have got from it. Um, would have made a hell of a lot of difference. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the players, again, you know, you create chances, you have to take them if you want to, you know, compete at the top. And, um, you know, there, there was a lot of talk um, after that Leeds win, um, you know, bigging United up. I, I still don't think they're, they're anywhere near that. I think they, they've got problems to fix. Um, but obviously it helps if teams around them are, are, are dropping points too. But, um, you know, they, they just need to be that more clinical and, and finish teams off. You know, you've got the attacking prowess uh, from, you know, the front four or five, um, but it's no point putting chances on the plate when, when they're not being finished. And yeah. sometimes I think United lack that. Defensively, there are still question marks. Um, I thought both goals were, were could have been defended better. Um, you know, Harvey Barnes scoring with his, with his left foot from outside the box. Do you hear what Paul um, Skoll said? Time. Paul Skoll said McTominay was taking social distancing a bit too little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. The, he definitely should have been closed down a lot yeah. quicker. Definitely. Uh, there's no two ways about that. Yeah, sure, being caught out of position for for the second goal, and and I think that's where the game management. Um, you know, United needed. Um, you know, some of their experienced players to come on and, and really you know control the game. You score. You know, in and around the 80th minute, I just got to see it out. You know, the last 10, 15 minutes, just see it out. And um, they, they failed to do so. When when you've got Jamie Vardy about in and about the box, you know, he's, he's sniffing and, and he's quality, um, you know, when chances fall to him. So, yeah, yeah that, in the end, Brendan Rodgers will be very happy with that point. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in Man United, not so much. Yeah, he, he's, he's happy indeed. Uh, Brendan Rodgers said it shows... That they can they can uh, rub shoulders with the big boys, Craig Wilkie. Twice they came back. I mean, he's trying to convince that this this Leicester side. I mean, they, they did well last season. Can they better last season's position? They're looking at top four now, aren't they? They absolutely should be. I mean, let's start with the fact that I thought it was a very good game of football. Two teams, as Craig mentioned, going out to attack, going out to try and win the game. So. I was pleased for Des because I feel like watching his watching that game with his leftover turkey sandwiches, he'll at least got some good, <laughs> enter- good good entertainment value out of it. And and, and it was a, it was a great game from start to finish. Subscription was safe for that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Le- 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 Leicester, as you say, deserve a lot of credit for coming back twice, especially the second time late on in the game. I agree with what Craig said. The overall Manchester United created more chances, created the better chances, should have taken the three points on that basis, but. Leicester have shown so far that they're not, they're not going away. I mean, 
this time last season they were they were looking a bit the same and of course they did have that that fall off you know once we got into the new year and and things started to go a bit wrong for them but I felt as though they've recovered this season pretty well from from what must have been a huge disappointment of missing out on the Champions League last time and they're they're in the mix this time as well and when we mentioned it when you've got a player like Vardy it's so easy I think to underappreciate what he does and he does it every single weekend he always finds that little bit of space in the box and he and he has that mentality of I'm only going to get one chance in a game and he's so focused on on taking it and he did actually have one other chance actually at the weekend which he which he fluffed a little bit but he's such a dangerous player and it's not only his goals actually the way he leads the line he causes defenses problems all over the place so he's such a difficult player to, to play against but you know from a Manchester United perspective I just think things have have settled down it wasn't so long ago we were having such big question marks over De Gea, for example, over Maguire. Shaw has been questioned a lot over the years, but they've not been making big high-profile mistakes of late. And, of course, Fernandez coming in. And he said after the game, you know, that in the dressing room there was a bit of a sense of despondency, yeah. that United felt a bit down that they should have taken all three points. And, and that's exactly the mentality that he wanted to see. I'm sure Solskjaer was pleased to see that as well. So Manchester United in this title race make no doubt about that, in my view. Des Corkill, if, if Leicester and Man United are close challenges to Liverpool this season, then Jurgen Klopp's going to be laughing. He's going to be thinking, no problems there. Oh, not at all. It's a really good uh, title race. And uh, I hate to tell you, I was, I was telling you last year that Man United were building something decent. And in Edison Cavani, gosh, you know, I'd seen highlights of him. Yeah. But it's only when you get a chance to really watch somebody in the little movement. His little pull off the, the centre-back and pass in uh, to Mar- That was um, the first thing he goal. did, right? Went to Just sensational. Really, really good football. Um, United have got very, very good football players. The best news of the weekend for me is that Pochettini will not be taking over that Man United group. So Solskjaer will be there. So they'll have great players on the field of play. But then they'll have a, a, a dodgy import coming in for the, um, uh, when they get down to the title race in, in Solskjaer. So that's great news. Watch uh, to PSG. Fantastic. The other thing I, I want to talk about on this is um, coaches are saying, hey, we're playing two games in 48 hours. We must have five substitutes. We've got to think of the health of our players. Leicester used one substitute in the 81st minute. Think of the health of your players, Brendan. <laughs> well, uh, uh, just following on that, I think uh, they're going to suffer for that over the next couple of games because um, I hear Vardy's a doubt. Um, and, and I think that's big. You know, we talk about how important he is to that yeah, Leicester squad yeah. and, and our Leicester title challenges. If he goes, you know, I think that's a big, big point to fit. And I'm not sure... Yeah, Nacho is, is of that same ilk to, to, to come in and, and, you know, cause the same problems to, to the defences. So I think when, when I the think, rest... Yeah, I think when the I rest... Think title charges, usually. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think when the rest of Europe's on, on five subs, England should follow suit. It's like the transfer window. Uh, we're out of Europe now. We're out of Europe, Ross. <laughs> you don't have to follow those rules anymore. Yeah, yeah, but you play Champions League. That's the thing. All right. <laughs> Des is off again. I, I, it's the final show of the year. Stick with us. First break. We'll be back right after this. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Immediate thrust. Recognisable certainty. And a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. We've got the two Craigs, Wilkie and Marias, on the show, along with Mr. Corkill, uh, previewing, <laughs> looking back at the uh, Boxing Day fixtures, 
Liverpool won, West Brom won was a bit of a shocker. I, to be honest, I fell asleep before Ayaji scored the equaliser there. Uh, Craig Wilkie, points dropped, or is it just this kind of season? I'm not going to call it a point gained, let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I managed to stay up till the end, but it wasn't easy by, by around the sort of 70th minute of, of that game last night. To be fair to Liverpool, it's not always easy to play against a 4-6-0 formation, which is what Big Sam set up with for, for a long period of that match. And, but I felt for Liverpool, it was a bit flat. You know, they never, there was no great urgency. They, didn't, they had a few shots on goal, but they didn't create a lot of clear-cut chances. Never really got out of third gear for me, which was slightly surprising given that they went ahead very early. Yeah. And it was a fantastic goal from Manny. You know, the touch on his chest and the way he turns and then... Still has a lot to do, by the way, and it's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic finish. So having kind of broken the deadlock so early on, you would have thought that the confidence would come through and they would just start to, to pull away from West Brom. But I guess you've got to give Big Sam some credit for the resilience that he instills in his sides and the way that second half especially. I mean, they did, they did come out and show a little bit more ambition. They pushed slightly further forward, tried to play on the break a little bit, created one or two things, and then eventually got the rewards with a goal. But even that, I felt, was quite poor defending from a Liverpool point of view. The cross comes in far too easily. And, you know, the header is, is, it's a good header, but he could have been under more pressure for that as well. And so, yeah, Liverpool will just be thinking, you know, I was on the show last week, exactly a week ago, and I said, Liverpool just looked like defending champions in that game after they, they thumped Crystal Palace. And then a week on, and it was a very, very different sort of a performance, a bit, a bit more stuttering. And let's also remember that most of the players are back now. Liverpool have kind of weathered that storm of, a bit of an injury crisis. Of course, Van Dijk is still out for the long term, but the rest, that was quite a full-strength side that Liverpool had out at the weekend. So, yeah, a bit disappointing, but again, in the context of this slightly crazy season, who knows how things will end up. And I, I would still make Liverpool slight favourites for the league, but it's going to be close the way things are looking right now. Now, now Des, I know you're going to say they had no intentions of winning the game. Big Sam went there, shut up shop and all that. I read that Liverpool had 78% possession in that game. So I'm going to turn it the other way around. Don't you put it on a team with 78% possession to, to create a bit more when you're playing at so home? Firstly, I'm going to tell you that on Friday I called this. Um, I <laughs> you said did, that this actually. was... Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Because this is, is, is the kind of uh, match that Allardyce sets uh, teams up in. Completely negative way. I've got major problems with the 6-4 formation of the first half. I've got no issues with the way they came at Liverpool in the second half. And if West Brom and teams like West Brom showed a little bit more endeavour, 6-4 was ridiculous. Uh, yes, Liverpool could and should maybe have had two VAR referrals. The handball wasn't even shown again. There was handball in the first half. Might have come off a red arm, might have come off another, but in other games they get referred. Liverpool, no. The Mane... Furlong is very close to him and, and he, he touches him. And in the modern game, that's a penalty. I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that. I'm talking about the inconsistency of VAR. Liverpool had the, the best, um, uh, the, the, the vast majority of the, of the, the possession. Uh, Thiago Alcantara was made for these and bought for these kind of games where he could just exactly. maybe find the little dink through, mm. uh, through that uh, mass defence. I've got no problem, though, with West Brom in the second half, and I think they deserved it because of the pace at which they broke, of where they used their set plays. And if they played like the second half throughout, I'd be one of Allardyce's biggest fans. The way they played in the first half, listen, you, two of you, have already said you nearly fell asleep. You're paying money 
I did. You're fall paying asleep. money, serious <laughs> amounts of money, to fall asleep, and that's a problem. Craig and Marais, I can hear. Ah, that's not Big Sam's uh, job. It is. They are in the entertainment business. They are not in the business of sending viewers around the world to sleep. Well done, West Brom, on your second half performance. Frustrating for Liverpool. They are inconsistent. So many things to say. Liverpool crisis club. Top of the league uh, with nine wins, more wins than any other team, or as, as, as many as the other team, and fewer defeats than any other team, Ross. Yeah, yeah. I, I put it to you that it's not sustainable for West Brom to play two second halves like the way they did because they are West Brom. That's, that's why? just who they are. Why not? <laughs> when, when they can be so good, Ross, why not? When they can do it against Man City in a similar manner. By the way, great save by Sam Johnston right at the end. Yeah, yeah. But why not? Yeah. Okay, Craig. That. That was more than a point for West Brom because of all the hype going into the game, Big Sam, blah, 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 blah. The fact that he came away now with a point from Anfield, from the reigning champions. Now the rest of the squad are suddenly going to listen to every single word Big Sam's got to say, right? I mean, I think they did anyway. Um, He came with a reputation. You know, he's been there before. He's done it. He's pulled off the miracles um, in, in seasons before because he has a style of play, because he knows how to do it. Now... You know, Des, Des says that it's not his job um, to, to, to play that way. It, it most definitely is because according to his contract, his job and his bonus is, is, is um, you know, is if West Brom survive and, and stay in the Premier League. That's, that's his massive payday right there. So it is literally his bread and butter keeping Due to your West care Brom to customers. In, Due to care to paying customers. Premier League. Nowhere in that contract would it say, um, yeah, you've got to play um, sexy football to keep... Um, <laughs> so, so let's at, wait until at, the, the, football, uh, the money disappears. Um, in the Far East. None, none of it does. <laughs> but he does have a contract which says, keep West Brom in the Premier League, no matter how you do it. Um, and, and, you know, that's your bonus there. And... You're probably another two years on your contract or, or whatever it is. So um, I, I think it's a fantastic uh, performance by West Brom. Um, they came with a game plan. They set up. They made it difficult for Liverpool to break through. Um, and, and let's not forget, you know, it wasn't it wasn't over at um, West Brom. It was here at, at Liverpool, at Anfield, where, you know, you expect, you know, the, the quality that Liverpool have, regardless of Thiago's not there. Um, you know, you had majority of your big headers on that field. It's good enough to break down a stubborn 6-4 defence as well, you know. Um, but, you know, we, we've seen it before. They've done it before. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they have that quality about them. The big um, soundness about them. Yeah, but, but West Brom made it tough. And I agree, obviously, they, they, they were good on the break in the second half when Liverpool were committing bodies forward, um, trying to, you know, create that extra body in the box and, and, and control the game. Um, I think that Carlin Grant chance was was massive. Yeah. It was massive, you know, because if that goes in, it sets up a nervy, nervy 10 minutes uh, there for Liverpool because just before the goal, you know, you, you could sense that something like that was coming. You know, they got a few corners in there. They were putting uh, balls into the box. You know, Liverpool looked shaky. And I, and I felt a little bit sorry for for someone like Reese Williams coming into the game uh, because obviously, you know, you come on at halftime, it's not easy uh, because... You, he came under a lot of pressure straight on, you yeah. know, and he got bullied for that Carlin Grant chance and, and he was lucky he got away with that. Um, just going back to the goal itself, you know, I, I, I do I do look at that Liverpool squad and, and although Craig says, you know, you know, we had you know, near, near enough full-strength team, if, if someone like Van Dijk uh, was there, if someone like Matip was there, I think they would have attacked that ball rather than, you know, kind of duck a little bit 
which is what Fabinho did, and, and allowed another centre back to, to come in and, and have an unchallenged header. So um, it was it, it was point. a free header, you, you, you yeah. could say. Um, so so yeah, I think on, on the basis of that, obviously two points drop for Liverpool. You know, I think whoever they play at home it, and they don't get maximum points, it's going to be two points dropped. Um, but what a point for for West Brom. I think it should be written in every manager's contract that you should think about fans in Asia, play football exciting enough so that they don't fall asleep at 4am. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a must. It's a must. Um, Only when right. starts writing those contracts. Uh, very quickly, we look at uh, Spurs, who were held to a 1-1 draw at Wolves. Spurs led for 87 minutes in this game, Craig Wilkie. But uh, points dropped for Mourinho. He's not going to be happy. That, that coach right back to London would have been... Quite depressing, I think. I imagine so. Well, there's another manager when we talk talk about entertainment, right? I just, just want to mention on that entertainment point, actually, as a, as a Dundee United fan, we had the very sad news at the weekend of Jim the legendary McClane. Jim, Jim McLean passing away. But what, what's interesting about that, I was reading, of course, a lot of articles and tributes over the weekend. And when, during his time as Dundee United manager, he actually had in the players' contracts an entertainment bonus, which was, wow. given, at his dis- which, which was given at his discretion if he felt as though they'd done a good enough job in entertaining the fans, he would give them an extra bonus. And in fact, controversially, once he, he refused to pay it after they beat Motherwell 6-1. So that, that was the sort of standards that he, that he held them to. And uh, I, I suspect Mourinho doesn't have that quite same approach. <laughs> no, with probably his, with not. His, <laughs> with, with, his, with his players. And, uh, or ever. You know, I, I, do, I, do, I do wonder for, for you Manchester United fans among us here, how much you miss Mourinho. Because I know that every weekend, my brother, who's a Manchester United fan, will text me when he's watching the Spurs game and say, I tell you, I don't, I don't miss watching this style of football. And, and, and it's, starting, it's starting to cost Spurs a little bit. You know, they, they had a very good start to the season, but the last four or five games, they've struggled a little bit. They've, they've drawn, they've lost a couple of games. And Mourinho came out after the game at the weekend and said that it wasn't my intention that we dropped deep. You know, it was the, the players were told something, they were given different instructions at halftime. They just didn't show enough urgency. They didn't do what they were instructed to do. But there's something in the mentality that they know with that manager that if they commit forward and then they get caught out of position, they're going to be in trouble. That's, mm. that's the way he, he sets his team up. It's, it's think defensive first before you think about how, you, how you're going to go and attack sides. And mm. whether that's a specific instruction or not, that's always there in the back of your mind. And you could see that a little bit with the Spurs players. And of course, we've mentioned before that you know, Kane and Son have, to some extent, carried that side for a lot, lot of this season. And as, as they've gone off the ball a little bit, so, so Spurs have suffered. And I keep expecting that Bale's going to come on and bail them out, but so far, it hasn't happened. Yeah. Uh, Roman Saiz's header was very Raul Jimenez-like. So, point shared there. Wolves won, Spurs won. We're going for another break. You stick with us back right after this. They are off and running in 2021. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. It is our final show of 2020. Thanks for joining me, Ross, and my guests, Craig's Wilkie and Marias, along with Des Corkill. You can find us all individually on Twitter. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we do have a YouTube channel up and running. It is TFIF on video. Do check it out. Uh, let's wrap up the Boxing Day fixtures then. Everton went away to Sheffield United. This one, no chance of, absolutely no chance of staying up for me. <laughs> they won 1-0 away thanks to Gilfie Sigurdsson. A win which pushes the Toffees up to second, Des Corkill. It's their 
second four-win run of the season. Now, the last time that happened, they won the title. They certainly did, and they've now won back-to-back titles. This is magnificent from Everton <laughs> Football Club. They'll soon be up with Manchester United with runs like this. But no, so very solid. PA. Very, very solid, Everton. Uh, again, and, and I, I can't... It's difficult not to say I told you so when I did tell you so. This is a decent Everton side. Um, Calvert-Lewin is, 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 is uh, turned into a very, very good all-round striker. They're creating opportunities. Even Gilfie Sigurdsson seems to understand his role in the team now. Uh, it's only Sheffield United, admittedly, um, which is a, 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 a real problem for Sheffield United that they just cannot score goals. But four wins on the spin in the, in the top league is very, very good. They'll be competing for top four. Because Carlo Ancelotti knows exactly what he's got with that team. And he's uh, getting the very best out of them. And making good players better, really good players, very, very good. That's what Ancelotti does. And Everton looking terrific. Yeah. Um, Sheffield United, Craig Wilkie, ran five kilometers. The players of Sheffield United in that game ran five kilometers more than Everton. Theoretically, they should have won by double the score. Well, they're in Barnsley, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's the sort of distance I need to run after the last few days, in all honesty. <laughs> I, I do have, I've said it before, and I continue to have some sympathy for Chris Wilder and, and that squad, because as we saw, again, there was absolutely no lack of effort whatsoever. And, and yet again, it, it wasn't a terrible performance from Sheffield United. You know, they were, they were in that game for large spells of it against, as Des pointed out, a, a pretty good Everton side. It's just that little bit of quality in, in both penalty areas, actually, but especially in the, in the attacking third. For me, the real difference of the game was you saw that moment where McGoldrick went around the goalkeeper and then he just, just fluffed yeah. it. You know, he kind of, <laughs> yeah. But he was offside, wasn't he? shinned it or something like that and then the mm. ball trickled towards the line and, and everyone were, were able to clear it versus the, the composure that Sigurdsson scored, uh, showed when he scored the goal. You know, just that little touch to get the ball out of his feet and then he, then he tucked it away so well. And, and that's what makes a difference at this level. And Sheffield United, for all that effort, for all that endeavour, for, for all the fact that they're still very well organised, I believe, by Wilder, still have some, some good, competent footballers they just don't have that ability right now to, to turn those chances into goals. And if you're struggling like that up front, if, you're, if it's such an effort to try and score a goal, then you're going to be in, in very, very big trouble. And, and they are in very, very big trouble right now. And it's, it's extraordinary that they're still sitting on two points as, as we, we head towards the new year. And it's, it's just very, very difficult to see a way back from them from this position. But it's a shame, I believe, because I, I don't think they played very badly this season. They've just, yeah. they've just failed to, to take chances. Yeah, they got create chances. The guys on Friday said they're going to surpass the worst Derby County side ever in the Premier League. All yeah, right, as, el- as a point total, it looks like it. Yeah, elsewhere, Craig, uh, Marias, uh, 10 men Aston Villa were quite impressive. 3-0 winners against Crystal Whoa. Palace. Um, poor Watkins didn't get a goal, but uh, elsewhere, they looked quite good, didn't they? He did everything but score. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he just, he, he just couldn't buy himself a goal, to be honest with you. Um, but but what a what a performance by Villa, you know. I, I think they were leading one 0 when the, when they got the red card, and uh, and then you just thought could, could could change here, the game could change here. Um, but you know, I really like this Villa side. I, I really do. Um, I think they were missing someone like Watkins um, last season. You know, yeah. they, they tried with Samata and and this and that didn't really work. 
Um, but but now they've got someone in Ollie Watkins who who links up play really well, who stretches defenses really well. Um, he's got pers- uh, pace to burn. He's strong. You know, he's got everything. Uh, when, when you look at strikers in terms of quality, you know, he's got everything. He can hold the ball up if you need him to. Um, and, he, and he's proving to be a really, really good buy. Um, maybe not clinical enough, uh, but that doesn't matter when you have the quality of Anwar Al Ghazi, for example. Can uh, finishes like that. For you? Can... Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the way the league's panned out and with results, you know, going here, there, and everywhere right now, um, it, it's not the worst shout. But uh, I do, I still think, you know, there's going to be a period, you know, probably in around after this Christmas period where everything will kind of resume some sort of normality. Um, and I, uh, can they get top six? They can, but I, do, they, do I think they will? No. Um, but I, I just think, you know, defensively is where they've also improved a, a, a real, uh, a, a lot, you know, because they, they've gone out, they've, they've bought someone like Martinez, who, who I think is a top, top goalkeeper. They've got him dirt cheap. They've paid 20 million from him for him. Um, and, um, you know, you can see the difference that that signing has made to that defence. Mm. You know, I'm sure John Terry um, is on there and working on the defensive side of that. I mean, you're not going to get a better coach, someone who's been in that situation, possibly one of the greatest um, uh, English centre-halves um, in the Premier League era, um, coaching you. You know, you've got to learn. And and I think they've, they've, they've just made it so hard for teams to break them down. Um, and I think if you look at the last four games, it's, it, they haven't conceded a goal or something like that. I mean, it's quite, quite remarkable. Um, so, you know, going forward, um, you know, whether they can get that same quality uh, going in that end. And, and in Watkins, like I said, you know, they've got a guy who does everything. But when you have the supporting cast, like Anwar El Ghazi, like Jack Grealish there, you know, you, you don't have much to worry about. So, um, will Villa get top six? Back to your question, Ross. Um, I don't think so. But, you know, the way the league's going, uh, you, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Elsewhere, um, Man City got their customary home win of the season over Newcastle United. That's score kill. Uh, the thing about it is they're quietly going along, getting results, keeping clean sheets. John Stones is like a new player this season. Um, but it's all going along quite nicely for Pep, isn't it? It certainly is. The, the spotlight is off them. I tell you, the last uh, six or seven games of the season are going to be a fantastic title running because I can truly see five, six, possibly even seven clubs. It's going back, going back to the great old days of the early 70s where there the will be um, defeats for, for the clubs. The only issue I've got with it, slight issue, is that those six or seven or eight at the top are going to be so far removed yeah. from the teams down at the bottom that it is, it's already three leagues in one league and that it'll just uh, just show the difference between the, the goods and the, those who look after their money well and the, and the not-so-goods. But uh, it, is a, it is a good league. That's a bit churlish of me. I can see Manchester City getting right up there because the spotlight's off them. Yep. The spotlight's off them. And they're just going about doing things beautifully. They've got all their players back. Uh, Aguero's coming to fitness. They're, they're getting 2-0 wins, which weren't the Man City way. Yeah, they're, they're right in this title fight as well. It's going to be brilliant end of the season. Leeds one Burnley nil was VAR tainted. This one, I, I know that's got his hand up. Death, but I'm coming to you first, Craig Wilkie. Burnley were really unlucky uh, not to have scored an equaliser. But Leeds, this Leeds this season, right? They they will just eke out a win. Surprisingly, got a clean sheet. Yeah, that was that was the big surprise. Uh, 
I'll, I'll let Des handle VAR duties because I think he does, does that so well. I mean, I think it was on all of our Christmas wish lists that we might get rid of VAR, but either we haven't been good enough boys or Santa wasn't listening or something. I'm not quite sure. But uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you who has been a good boy this year is Bamford. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a player he's been for Leeds really since day one in the season. And pretty much the only good decision that I've made in Fantasy Premier League this season is getting Bamford in at the start and, and sticking with him. And it's, it's paid off. Because not only the goals that he's scoring, but his all-round play. You know, Craig was just talking about Watkins at Villa, but similar job that Bamford has been doing at Leeds when he started the season with a few question marks over him about whether he would really be able to produce at that level. But he's answered all of those by now and, and then some. And Leeds, yeah, they were, I don't think they were necessarily at their best in this game, but thoroughly deserved to win. They created enough chances, probably should have scored two or three more. They were a little bit unlucky. Goalkeepers made a, made a few good saves. But yeah, the, the incident where you know, Burnley thought they scored, thought they equalised. Just in general, leave VAR aside, I, I think goalkeepers are, are really overprotected in, in the modern game. You know, any time they, they come off their line and somebody looks at them, then they, they fall to the ground and the, and the referee gives a, gives a free kick straight away. And I thought we saw an example of that as well. So uh, a little bit hard done by maybe from that point of view for Burnley. But yeah, Leeds, Leeds kind of, they're going to be inconsistent. We know that over the course of the season, but... This was a good, comfortable three points for them. All right, going into the break quickly. Uh, Des, the letter of the law says that uh, VAR couldn't intervene because the referee had blown for a foul. That's not the one I'm concerned about. It's the penalty conceded theoretically by Nick Pope. He has got a fabulous tackle in. The ball has gone 90 degrees away from the player. Nick Pope has got the ball completely and utterly cleanly. It's a fabulous tackle. And he's been penalised with a penalty. A couple of years ago in a Malaysia Premier League game, I saw a similar decision by a referee in a Kalantan versus Negri Sembalang game. And I thought, my God, that is just dreadful officiating. Thank heavens at the top levels that doesn't happen. Guess what? It does. (laughs) Even worse, even worse, VAR did not overrule a clear and obvious travesty of justice i'm sure if i'm sean dyche i thought he gave a really really uh, good interview afterwards where he says he doesn't know how the game is he doesn't know how medley isn't penalized for the, the for the knee in the back he doesn't know how um uh, was it ben me was yeah. uh, jumping for the ball and he's penalized he doesn't know why the goal was disallowed he doesn't know why the penalty was given and he is dead right on both occasions var if it's going to work has to look at only clear and obvious errors and if there is a clear and obvious error as for the penalty conceded by Nick Pope then you overturn it again it gets zero out of ten it is crap get rid of it get rid of it it stinks it's ruining the game rent number 348 of the evening <laughs> uh, stay tuned final break back right after this no happy return but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening off the ball on bfm 89.9 for this season off and running with a goal inside eight minutes off the ball on bfm 89.9 and we're back, back with Craig uh, Marias, Craig Wilkie and Des Corkill. It's our final show of 2020. And Match Week 16 is happening over the week for us. So, yippee, you can hear all the fans in Asia going. Uh, the <laughs> earliest one of, of the lot is the Crystal Palace versus Leicester. It is tonight. Now, Palace uh, will, will have to look at themselves after... Having a, a man more, Craig Marias, and, and not 
getting anything from the Villa game. You look at the Palace side this season, you think they've got a bit more about them, right? Yeah, and, and, and I think um, the, the weekend's result was a follow-through uh, follow from last, the previous week um, after that stuffing that Liverpool gave them. You know, I just think they were just so torn up about that. They, they were drained with confidence going into this game. And, and like I said, you know, you know when, when Villa went to 10 men, you know, they really should have put themselves up a little bit more and, and really had a go. But um, yeah, I, I mean, despite the quick turnaround in, in, in fixtures and with the possibility that Vardy and Tielemans might not be playing, um, you know, with, with rotation that, that Brendan Rodgers said in his post-match interview, uh, that he was uh, going to do over the next uh, couple of games. I still think they've got too much uh, for, for, for Palace to get anything, yeah. you know. And um, th- this Palace team, um, Roy Hodgson really needs to get in there and, and do something about it because I can understand I can understand what's going on because that, that Liverpool result would have torn them apart, literally torn them apart. And, um, and you could just see it, you know, against Villa. Um, it wasn't the same Palace that we saw earlier on in the season. Because, um, because, like you said, Ross, you know, Palace were doing all right. Yeah. They weren't, you know, we've spoken about this. What, what are Palace meant to do? You know, it's just stay in the division, finish mid-table, you know, that whole thing. And they're well on course to do that. And I still think they will. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the last couple of results have really uh, thrown a span into the works and, and, it, and it shot them with confidence. So uh, um, do I see them recovering for this one? I don't think so. Um, like we've talked about Leicester, you know, I think they realised that they could be there and thereabouts in, in terms of the title. Um, and uh, and they're going to make a real go of it. It'll be interesting to see if Vardy gets rested and how that changes things at Leicester, though. Okay, well, uh, Soyuncu could return for Leicester in that one. That's an eleven o'clock game uh, on uh, Tuesday. Sorry, on Monday tonight. Yeah, eleven p.m. Uh, Tuesday, one thirty a.m. Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Craig Wilkie, Frank Lampard says he is going to make six or seven changes. So you expect Hudson Odoi to start. Hakim Ziyech is probably going to return to the side. Um, pressure suddenly on Mr. Lampard and his millionaire players. There is a bit of pressure on Lampard. And Lampard's a smart guy. He knows that when you go out and spend the sort of money that he has, bringing those players, you get that sort of backing in the transfer market that it comes with raised expectations and it comes with, with pressure alongside it. And it was interesting in his post-match interview at the weekend. And I know there are different schools of thought about managers coming out after a game and criticizing the players. Personally, I feel as though players are often overprotected by their managers in, in those interviews. I think he just came out and, and called it exactly as he saw it. He felt as though the anger that he, he was expressing was that he felt that some players just didn't try hard enough. You know, and that's, that's, that's a kind of unforgivable sin yeah. for, for a footballer. He said, you know, you're, you're jogging instead of, of sprinting. You're not offering the support to your teammates that, that you should be. And so you can be sure that he will make some changes, that he'll want to deliver that message to a few players who he felt weren't delivering in that, in that way, who weren't living up to the standards. And so I'm sure it will be a much-changed Chelsea side. And, and he wants a bit of a reaction because, as we talked about at the start of the show, it was a very, very poor Chelsea performance at Arsenal. And again, because of those, those players that he's got in the squad, he knows that there's pressure on him to, to get them gelling together, to get, get a run going again. Because for a while, Chelsea looked like they were going along quite well. And then mm. it's kind of stuttered a little bit. So he wants to get them back on track as soon as possible. And he'll see this as exactly the time to start. All right, well, Tyrone Mings is unavailable for Aston Villa after his red card. Ross Barkley can't play against his parent club. Chelsea Aston Villa is Tuesday, 1.30 a.m. Des Corkill, arguably the tie of the midweek round, is Everton against Man City. Tuesday, 4 a.m. this one. 
should be good, eh? Yeah, looking forward to this one. Uh, this will be a real test for Manchester City's new defensive resolve, best defence in the league. I think it's only 12 conceded because Everton can create little pockets. Calvert-Lewin will be a handful for any, um, any central defensive partner. When crowds, full crowds were allowed, this was one of the most febrile matches going because Goodison Park and its pomp is sensational. And when you play the Manx, be it City or Man United, them coming over to, to Scouseland, gosh, it was, a, <laughs> it was an intimidating atmosphere uh, to be there. So um, these are the kind of games, take away the violence, please, but these are the kind of games where you miss the febrile, passionate atmosphere because Goodison can be as intimidating as anything. There'll still be 2,000 there, one of the two um, stadiums allowed uh, fans, and they'll make a, a bit of a noise, but uh, gosh, I do can't wait for crowds to come back in their entirety and for exactly games like this. It matters. Top of the table. There's a lot at stake. Two good teams going head-to-head -head under two good managers. Yeah, get up at four o'clock in the morning. That one is worth paying for. Absolutely. Nil-nil on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be a good nil-nil. It'll be a tense nil-nil. It'll be a passionate, competitive nil-nil if it is. Um, two a sorry, 4 a.m. kickoff that one. Everton Man City on Tuesday. Brighton against Arsenal is Wednesday, 2 a.m. Now, Mikel Arteta needs to build on this, this win against Chelsea, Craig Marias. Um, he should be able to do it against this Brighton side. Yeah, I, I do think it's a great fixture um, for, for them to come in. I think their the next run of fixtures is actually very, very kind. And, and I think that that result against Chelsea gives them a massive boost going into it. Because um, if they're going to climb up the table to where they really should be, um, th this, is, this is the run that they, they, they have to look at. Because I think they've got Brighton, they, they've got a real nice, nice run of fixtures, all winnable. And, um, and, and I think with Mikala Teta, it's now the decision whether does he bring Obama yet back into that lineup? Does he bring William back into their lineup? Or does he stick with the kids? Um, you know, based on that Chelsea performance, you know, the, the kids have to play. I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. Continue to play them. Let them show, you know, what it is. They, they know what it is to play for Arsenal. They, yeah. they, they've got that passion. Um, and like I say, you know, that, that should be enough. If, if you want to bring Aubameyang off the bench, yeah, go for it. If you want to play him instead of Lacazette, do it. But don't drop someone like, you know, Martinelli or Saka or, or someone like that for your seasoned pros because clearly they're not you know, they're not up for the fight. And sometimes big clubs have to dig deep. And, um, you know, I, I'm sad to say, I think they're good players. Don't get me wrong, you don't become bad players overnight. But sometimes, you know, it, it's whether you're willing to do the, the hard yards. And um, I, I just don't think any of them have, have done that enough. Um, interesting to see, I'm not too sure about uh, Thomas Partey, if, he, if he's uh, going to be back anytime soon. But that's a massive, another massive boost to them. Um, when he does come back, because there, there is still a bit of a void in that midfield. You know, I don't trust that Xhaka on any uh, partnership that's going on there. So um, uh, once he comes back, it, it, it's going to be a massive boost to them. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is a great game for Arsenal to continue uh, their one-game run. So if I want to say run, but it's not really a run. Um, but um, it's a good way to, you know, to kickstart their season again and, and, and get it going. Brighton, Arsenal, Wednesday, 2 a.m. Uh, Spurs versus Fulham is now suddenly a must-win for Jose Mourinho, Craig Wilkie. Uh, this one is Thursday at 2 a.m. Fulham have been going along nicely. Uh, um, Scott Parker's 
self-isolating because of COVID, but they've still, they're still, I think they're unbeaten in four now. Yeah, I think they've had four draws in a row. Yeah. But definitely, definitely he steadied the ship. It wasn't that long ago we were we were all looking at Fulham and we were talking about them and saying already there's, a, there, there's a club who already looking in big, big trouble. And, and and they're still in trouble, but not as big trouble as they were a month ago prior to that that run. I think that does count as more of a run than, than maybe what Arsenal have been on so far. <laughs> uh, so it won't be an easy game for Spurs at all. But as we've we've spoken about before, if Spurs have any genuine aspirations about being title contenders, then these are the games that they're going to have to win. And they're going to have to find that way of, of just getting over the line in such fixtures. And I think there's a, there's a little bit of a sense right now when you look at the league as a whole for those, those bigger clubs who, who might be title contenders saying, ah, well, if we drop a point here and there, it's okay because everybody else is doing it. And, and that's all right for now, but eventually somebody's going to put a run together. Could be Manchester City, as, as Des was mentioning before, just going along quietly all of a sudden win seven or eight games in a row. And if other clubs are still dropping points around them, then you start to build a lead where, you know, it could be five, six, seven, eight points, something like that. And then, then things just start to get a little bit different than, than what they are now. So mm. Mourinho knows he's been through a, a bit of a sticky patch. And he, again, a bit, a bit like Lampard and Chelsea, he's going to have to turn it around quite quickly just to make sure that you don't lose touch with two or three teams at the top. So this is one of those fixtures that you look at and say, yeah, it's got to be three points. All right, Spurs, Fulham, th- Thursday, 2 a.m. Newcastle versus Liverpool, Des Corkill. The only feeling you should be having about this one is how sorry you feel for Steve Bruce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go, no, I've got a feeling. No, no, not, not Newcastle. I hadn't quite factored that one into to, to the, um, to the analysis. Um, <laughs> Liverpool, the only, the, only, the only thing I'm worried about for Liverpool is they've got too much preparation time these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you moan about too little. Oh, I don't know you. That was irony. No, so Liverpool have got to get back on on, on the um, on the winning trail here. I think it is important because a, a couple of drop points, uh, however unfortunate or unmerited, uh, the West Brom uh, dropping points, the the Fulham drop points, the the Brighton drop points. That's uh, three points out of nine. I think that the team would have expected they would have expected to have accelerated away, particularly as their their players are coming back in. So this to me is an important one for Liverpool. They're still top of the league they've still only lost once all season but they haven't played with the, the great fluency and one or two teams are beginning to see that you can play 6-4 or you can uh, get at Liverpool sorry as West Brom did in the second half you can get at Liverpool and if teams try to go with the good teams I, I keep saying this try and go and win games you never know you could well be surprised you might lose but you might well go and get a, a major surprise and I know Steve Bruce won't do that so Liverpool should pick up the points should Newcastle, Liverpool, Thursday, 4 a.m. Do you reckon Cavani will start, start Craig Marais? Man United versus Wolves is Wednesday, 4 a.m. You'd start. Yeah, him, yeah. yeah that's, that's the dilemma. Um, does, does Ole go with Martial up front and, and stick with him and with his pace? Um, yes, he, he hasn't hit the heights of last season yet. Um, and we've seen Cavani's impact off the bench. But is he meant to, is he better as just a super sub? Um, I think that's that's what Ole has to factor in. Um, it's yeah, it, it's a good problem. He's to have. younger than uh, Jamie Vardy, you know, Cavani. Is he actually? Yes, he is. Is he actually? <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. That I mean, it seems like he's been around for for like forever, isn't it? 
Um, but but no, this is a you know it's a good decision for for Ole to have. You know he he rotated midweek um, last week against Everton. Still got a very good result against a very strong Everton side. Um, so it's in that squad. So if he needs to rotate it, um, he will. I think uh, Wolves this season as well. Yeah, you know they haven't been great. So so whether he sees this as a great opportunity um, to tinker a little bit, you know you you still got Pogba that can come into that team. Uh, Van der Beek, if you feel Bruno needs a bit of a rest. Um, there, there is, you know, you played Dan James the last last few games as well. I mean, Green, Greenwood should be, you know, rested and, and, and ready to come back in. Um, and he played, and, and I'm not sure about uh, Juan Bissaka, how fit he's going to be, but um, you don't really want to see Lindelof playing it right back again. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, a, a good problem to add for Ole. Um, I expect some sort of changes, uh, but I expect the core uh, in terms of Rashford, in terms of Bruno, um, and, and, pot, and probably McTominay to, to kind of stay in that team. Um, but, you know, it's hard you know, to not see United win here. I think they, they're on a decent run of form, um, and, and they should win this. All right. It's uh, Wednesday, 4 a.m., that one man United Wolves, and there we have it. That's your match week 16, and there we have it. That's your lot for 2020. Wow. Amazing stuff. Uh, I say thank you to Des Corkill. Thank you, listener. Craig Wilkie mentioned it before, but um, uh, uh, Jim McLean died. And one of the, the big quotes that Jim McLean uh, gave in his career was that um, he was involved with uh, Dundee United, of course. And before a game against Borussia Mönchengladbach, he said that it was the club's job to represent the downtrodden. Football's responsibility as a sport to entertain for the working class. I could not have said it better. It epitomizes exactly that I think should be going on at the top level and uh, great memories of Jim McLean. He brought Dundee United to the UEFA Cup final and the Champions League semi-final and won the title. He was ahead of his time. What a man. Des has used up all your goodbye times. Uh, bye, Craig Wilkie. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> bye, Craig Marias. Goodbye. All right, guys, see you next year. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Off the Ball, every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.